Welcome to He's a Giant. We are doing our post-game recap after the Giants' Week 4 loss to the Seattle Seahawks. The final score is Seattle's 24, the Giants' 3, in what was before the game a must-win for the Giants. And season on the brink and, you know, a tough schedule staring us in the face. And, yeah, that didn't go how we hoped for. Um the Giants got thoroughly outplayed, uh, but Monty, how are you doing, man? I'm fucking sick, Sal. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry for not jumping more on the bandwagon when you said we were going to lose this game. While well, you were starting to to say that that we officially fucked up on Jones, I wanted to give him a little bit more time. But I'm, I'm well, fucking to, done with this team. To be fair, I said that in in March. <laughs> yeah, and, and I and I want and I wanted. I know, but no, but we I, both joking, went in with some yeah, optimism. Like, look, they saw something in this guy. Let's fucking see what they saw, and it, they didn't see shit. They didn't see fucking shit in this guy. They made it up. It was rough, man. It was rough to watch. Um, look, I mean, a lot of time to dissect the whole the whole Daniel Jones thing. I mean, we were just on spaces with Ivan and those guys. And obviously it's, it's, it's rough right now being a Giants fan, listening to this stuff. It's, um, I don't know. It's hard to describe the range of emotions that you feel going through this. Um, and there's a lot that I like, I never thought I'd find myself doing this, but um, I'm going to defend Daniel Jones a little bit. Um, not his football play, not his football play. He's, he's not a good football player. He's not, not a good quarterback. You know, and yeah. I've never thought he was. And um, talented kid doesn't have it, in my opinion. Never really did. Um, and I think, unfortunately, in these primetime games, especially with division and season on the line, he's kind of shown us over and over and over again what, what the Daniel Jones that comes out in these moments. Tonight was probably the worst I've ever seen him play. Um, I, I think you can honestly say that it was the worst football I've ever seen the man play. Uh, but where I'll defend him is. I think the Giants' problems that led to this loss run a lot deeper than just Daniel Jones. I think Daniel 100%. Jones, he's a symptom. He's the he's the face of it. And, you know, rebuilds are all about, let's be honest, they're, they're, the face of a rebuild is the face of a quarterback. And it's hard to say you're rebuilding when you're bringing back the same quarterback. And it, it's always been a precarious position that the Giants have found themselves in when they, when they had that sort of miraculous run last year, made the playoffs. He played so great in that Minnesota game. They decided, let's bring him back. We'll talk about their options, you know, um, yeah. ad nauseum, I think, for years to come. But they made the choice they made. Um, where I'll defend him is I don't think he is – he's not – like, ripping Daniel Jones off this team is not going to fix what ails this team. It's going to fix a lot of what ails this team if you can replace him with a good young quarterback um, that they can build around and hopefully has, you know, the ability to play better. That's the bottom line. But – there's a deeper rooted issue here, which is this team is in bad, bad need of a rebuild. It's in, in dire need of a rebuild up and down the roster. They have a lot of veterans on expiring contracts and we can get into that more. I think we should get into that like right away, but coming into this game, man, I thought this goes one of two ways. They can just, all they have to do is just win the game. If you win the game, your season's alive. You got a tough schedule with Miami and Buffalo coming up, but you can you can keep fighting. You can keep fighting, keep your season alive, um, and you can prove to the league that you belong, right? You belong in the conversation of teams that are competing, and you're not thinking about the things we're talking about now, but 
not only did they lose, man, they just got demolished. I mean, 24 to three, it's, it, it wasn't that close. No, you know, our yeah, offense man. did nothing. So, I mean, other than like your, your feelings about Daniel Jones, what did you think about this game? What are your takeaways from like just the overall game, like thoughts, anything that you noticed up good, bad, whatever. Look, I mean, outside of Daniel Jones, killed us this game is what we've been fucking screaming since last year it was our weakness last year and they decided to make no changes because the rest of the team was successful and that is the offensive line and the special teams because we have poor coaching at those positions and it showed up so strongly in this game like the special teams would we have five six penalties on special teams we had what we had a muffed punt we had a fucking there were there is a great fucking punt by by the Scottish Hammer that if our gunners track it and down it, we down them inside the three. Instead, we let it bounce right inside the end zone, and that's something we've done time after time. I don't know what Thomas McGahee is coaching these people. It's not fucking football because they don't know what they're doing out here. I'm tired of hearing excuses like, oh, well, our roster is weak, so, you know, that's why our special team is bad. No, our special teams doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. And it couldn't have been more clear today. It made it so obvious that they didn't know what they were doing with all those penalties. And then it comes to Bobby Johnson with our offensive line, our offensive line. You know, we talked, we were talking about this today earlier in spaces where look, I mean, like all the credit into the world and he deserves all of it to CJ Stroud. He is playing down with bad offensive line play really not like star wide receivers and he's getting it done but you know what they're on like a third string like offensive line they're not ruining the game and that goes deeper than Stroud playing well and him getting the ball off fast which does play a huge role in it but it's also they have much better offensive line coaching than we do we have most of our starters in and we are getting totally derailed it is insane to me that the word from Brian Dable is that there is going to be no personnel or staff changes after this game. Bobby Johnson and Thomas McGahee shouldn't have came back this year. The fact that they have a long enough leash to survive this game with what they did is fucking criminal. And I love Brian Dable, and I'm not like calling for his for his name by any means, but that is the biggest indictment that I've had on Brian Dable since he's taken over the job. If he is just going to let both those guys get away with that. And what is now essentially a lost season. Yeah. There's no defending it. Um, Backing up to the special teams. There was also a play. It was weird. They took Eric Gray off punt returns after the muff punt and put a Dory in there. And he just fair caught, which I was like, thank God. Like, that's all you really need to do. Just get out of the ball and fair catch it. Like I've always been an art. I've always been a, I, people talk about special teams. My argument about special teams, at least on, on the return game, has always been: this is this is easy. Get under the ball and fair catch it. And if it's inside the five or inside the ten, just let it drop, you know, and, and yeah. let it try to roll to the end zone, and that's it. You don't need to risk turnover because you're you're more likely. I have to look at the data, but I think you're more likely to to risk turnover and or injury by trying to make a play out of nothing on special teams than you are to turn it into some massive explosive play that leads to points. I, I think that's. I think it's overblown what people try to create out of punt returns. Um, but after removing Eric Gray, 
got to wonder what Eric Gray really does on this team at this point. Um, but after removing him from punt returns, he put him on a kick return. I don't know if you, re- you saw that, but there was a he took a kick return. Oh um, my god, he, that was and he ran it, I, and he and he ran it out, and he barely oh. got to the twenty. And you got it like he's a rookie. He didn't return kicks. So our friend Nunu, shout out Nunu. She's a big Oklahoma fan. I, I asked Nunu and half I'm like, I'm like, what is Eric Gray doing? And she's like, he never did any kick returns in college. No, they have him doing this here. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, he's a rookie. He's never returned kicks before. He, he at the very minimum, you gotta let him know. And this is a coaching thing. Here's the rule. Like, there's gotta be simple rules. If the yeah. ball's inside yeah, a certain yeah. yard line, you just you know, even if it's outside of the end zone, the new rule is you can just down it, take a fair catch it, and you get it at the 25. Yes. I mean, this is a freebie. It's like, just just take 25 yards. Just, just take it. The NFL he does not want you to risk it. to get to the 20. He right. had a great run to get to the 20. Right, to lose five yards. So yes. it's... He should have lost 10. There's something really, really wrong with how they're prepared for this game. Um, and people said, you know, it's not, it's the players, it's not the coaches. They're like, no, that's the coaches. That is 100%. Like, if you're well coached and it's hammered into you that, hey, this is where I'm standing and here's where the ball's coming, here's what I'm going to do, you do what your coach taught you to do. You don't just, you don't just sit there and, oh, I'll just figure this shit out when the ball comes to me. You know, like, that's not how it's supposed to work. So, I don't know. Like it's it's a poorly coached unit. Special teams is terrible. I don't know what else there is to say about that. I don't know how McGahee survives. I don't know how we went from Tom Quinn to Thomas McGahee. I just I, I have no idea what we did to deserve this. But but he's got to go at some point. I I don't think I'm overreacting when I say this. When I say Thomas McGahee is one of the worst coaches in the entire NFL. I he, he I, really might be. Like he is one of the worst coaches and i think that was on display tonight it's really hard to get noticed as being a bad special teams coordinator and that's why he keeps scooting by and we're saying like no this guy's bad it's like oh it's execution and then tonight was like look yeah. no he's bad it finally boiled up you fucking saw it right. he is a bad fucking coach yeah and on the offensive line side i i know what brian dable said um about tonight I don't know what else he's supposed to say. Oh, well, about like there's going to be no personnel changes in the coaching stuff. I don't know the context of that. I just heard that in passing as we were leaving spaces. I I, Uh, I went and had to confirm it because I didn't fucking believe it, but he said it. But the question is like, I guess he must have been directly asked that question. Um, And I guess if you think about it in context, your team just had an awful loss. You yourself were having a rough night. He was caught on film. We we should probably get into that in his interactions with Daniel Jones. But yeah. And coming fresh off a horrible loss, you know, you get asked about, like, are you going to fire coaches? Like, what's he going to say? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I think. But on the other side, Mike Tomlin just said after their game was like, there's going to be changes. Like, Mike, like coaches Mike Tom- do do it. And he's a veteran. Mike, Mike, Mike Tomlin is a seasoned head coach. Yeah. He's a veteran in this game. I mean, my, as much as I love Brian Dable, and I still love him. I haven't given up on Brian Dable. Um, he's, uh, he's a young coach. He really is a young head coach still, and I think you know I'm I'm not going to make too much of that. I will say I hope, from the fundamental, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. So again, I think the biggest reason to make an argument to get rid of Bobby Johnson at this point is not just like tonight or how they played or or their lack of preparation and their lack of cohesiveness and all the things yeah, that led that's to more McGahee. That's yeah. I think I think the biggest argument, and you and I have made this, is if we're staring down the barrel of a lost season which is what we're really staring down the barrel of at this point. Um, 
the priorities shift immediately towards rebuilding and making sure you're priming yourself for future success. We've invested a significant amount of draft capital into the players that are currently on the offensive line. We've talked about this. Andrew Thomas, fourth overall pick, all pro left tackle. Hurt right now, but still fourth overall pick. Evan Neal, seventh overall pick. He's our right tackle. He's only in the second year. Josh Azuda, 67th overall pick. What position is he playing? Is he a tackle? Is he a guard? we got to figure that out. left tackle, that's for sure. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> uh, Marcus McKeithen, I mean, say what you want, is fifth-round pick. Fifth-round picks generally get some playing time. you got to figure out what you got in the guy. He didn't look good tonight, but you got to figure out what you have in him. We traded a fourth-round pick to get Ben Bredesen, right? We traded the 57th overall in John Michael Schmitz, who got hurt tonight. You need to find out what these guys are and get them to their top capabilities. You're not going to get there with Bobby Johnson. By the end of this season, you need to know what you have in Josh Azuda. You need to know what you have in Evan Neal. You need to know what you have in Marcus McKeithen. It is essential to have answers to these questions, Joe Shane. You need answers to these questions by January so that when draft season comes, you know exactly what you have and what you need to do both in free agency and the draft process. You need to know, you're not going to get those answers. I promise you, if you listen, I know you don't listen to Joe Shane, but if somebody who knows Joe Shane is listening, tell him, I promise you, you will not get those answers with the current coach in place. You need a real coach, somebody, whether it's Googs or anybody else, somebody who is a competent online coach, which this man clearly is not, to actually develop these guys and be able to give an, a reliable report to his head coach and general, general manager and in January to say, this is what we've got. And they should be able to trust that report and make decisions based off that. So that's the main reason to get rid of Bobby Johnson. It's to develop these kids and to know what you have and where your needs are going into this draft. We just finished going over interior O-line and offensive tackle class, right? This is a good class. Like in many other areas, there are good players in this. But I don't know right now, are the Giants in a position where they have to give up a, a first pick a second pick for an offensive lineman or should we sit tight and and wait till the day three right we don't even know that yet because we don't know what we have in these players and that's a terrifying thought you're going to go into the offseason and not know what you have because if we continue down this path all we're going to get is shitty play no development and then we're going to change everything it doesn't make sense make the change now make the change now and give us as many weeks as possible of a real coach working with these kids see what you got um so i mean that's my soapbox i'm gonna keep hammering home that drop that that message um and i hope somebody's listening i think they need to consider changes there i wanted to shift gears a little bit um talk about something good before we go back into anything bad um actually no let's let's stick with bad (laughs) let's stick with bad (laughs) because there's a lot of bad brian dable um didn't have the best night um i thought you know going for it on that first drive on the fourth and one. Um, I understand like analytics uh, tell you to go for that one to be fair, but I get it. will break down. I get it. But this is a game in real football context where you're playing a team that you should be evenly matched against. You're at home personally. And I'll say the same thing about Pete Carroll, who did the same thing in, in the third quarter to start the third quarter, take the points, take the points, Put your team on the board, say you had a good drive, I'm going to reward you with three points. Give our defense a chance to get us back on the field, which they did. The defense played out of their mind. And the defense played great. They we'll missed tackles, but no, they yeah, played we'll great. We'll definitely more. we'll talk about that. But he didn't take the points there. I think it puts a lot of pressure on the defense um and on the offense, to be honest. Um 
he showed a lot of faith in his offense. I respect that, but I just thought it wasn't necessarily the best decision. But uh, more importantly, we saw Brian Dable visibly upset at his quarterback multiple yeah. times tonight. I mean, he was just there was. I remember the first time I saw it was when he, he no, no, before the interception to Weatherspoon. Um, there was a pass play where he he was throwing to the flat to Wondell Robinson, and he threw so far behind him that he basically hit Devin Witherspoon right in the chest. Do you remember that play as he was diving yeah. down and David looked just disgusted. Uh, I think it was a third down play. Um, and he just looked furious. He was taking sacks. People are, I'm seeing already in the timeline, people saying the O-line, the O-line, man, he ran into half of those sacks. Let's be honest. And the sacks that he ran into were the ones in the beginning of the game when the game was still alive. Most of the sacks came in garbage time. I know you want to get into yeah. that, but a lot of the sacks with the O-line really broke down were in garbage time. But a lot of the sacks earlier in the game were just him. Just watch the game, man. He was just holding on to the ball, running into sacks. He just looked lost out there. Dable looked disgusted on it. You don't have to trust me. Brian Dable looked disgusted over over and over again on it. But when he threw the pick six, for all of that crap play, Pete Carroll goes for it on his fourth and one to start the third quarter after a good drive, where if they kick the field goal, they're up 17-3, and for all intents and purposes, the game's over, really, the way we were playing. He decides to go for it. He misses. They didn't get the first down. Um, you know, we give them the ball right back, and they miss a field goal on the next drive. So two straight drives where they basically gave the Giants field position, and they didn't get points. We finally drive the ball down. I'm forgetting what down it was because I'm trying to block it out of my head. But was it first down on the interception? It was first. I want yeah, to say I mean, it was. I could on, be like wrong. The, on like the two-yard line or three-yard, whatever it was. It was yeah, I, it think was, it was, maybe it was, I think it was a little further back. I think it was like it was, it was in goal. but It was first in goal. Yeah. You know, you call a pass play. I have to see the breakdown, but he's got a clean pocket, Daniel Jones. He's got Darren Waller, who we traded the number 100 overall pick for and extended his contract. Well, at least spaced out his dollars, you know, to get him on this team Mm -hmm. wide open in the back of the end zone. He's six foot seven. He's here for this play. And Daniel Jones doesn't, he either doesn't see him, doesn't look at him. He locks in on Paris Campbell with Weatherspoon on that side. Weatherspoon, who was terrorizing him all night, a rookie, locks into him, cocks back to throw. Weatherspoon breaks on the ball. And he actually threw the ball behind Campbell. Like, I think Witherspoon was shocked by how quickly the ball got to him because I think he was trying to break on Campbell and break inside. The ball came right at Weatherspoon. It was thrown way behind Campbell catches it at the three and just takes off for the pick six for a 97 yard pick six. I mean, that's where the game broke. And obviously it was a disgusting play. I mean, that was 1000% Daniel Jones, just having a complete meltdown and destroying the game after the game, yep. after the play, you see Dable like come up to him and kind of discuss trying to talk to him. And Jones just kind of yeah, walks away. And, yeah. Yeah. And then he, well, Jones walks away from him, sits down. Then you see them arguing later. Like showing, I think it was Dable trying to show him, the play on the on on the on the tablet. He's probably just pointing the fucking Waller. Yeah, like he's right there. Like, why do you think we fucking have him, right? And, and just yeah. kind of like, I don't think he was throwing it at Jones, but he was just so disgusted. He just like tossed the tablet, and it was a bad yeah, he look. Or like back at him, like not necessarily at trying to like hit him with it. No, no, but he was, but he was disgusted, and I think yeah, his frustration was clear. It's a bad sign, man. Like I, I get it. You're the head coach. 
like it's a bad sign what is it what where do you go from here like i don't know how you interpreted that i have to process it, but what, what are your thoughts on it yeah man it was it's a i i appreciate dable holding jones accountable he did it last year too but it is a, a trickier thing when you pay the dude when he was on a final year and you hold him accountable it's like hey you want a fucking job figure it out but right now it's like it's like bro we paid you you're making us look bad like Mm -hmm. you gotta figure this the fuck out for the team and he's just he's mad he's mad at himself he's mad at jones i think it's it's tough man it was he was clearly frustrated with how this game went um and also to be clear i actually just went and looked up uh it was second and goal and it was on this yeah it was on the five yard line that's a five. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that was a touchdown. Let's be real. That was a touchdown to yep. Waller. If he throws it to him, um, the momentum had swung back pretty firmly to the giants. They put that on the, they put that ball in the end zone as they should. And the score is 14 to 10 um, or yep. 11. If they go for two, you know, um, it was a and, total swing of the game. It was, yeah, that, I mean, we, that was, I'll, I'll take it a step further. We win that football game. If he makes I think that so, pack. Too. because I think the momentum so, was swinging in Europe. Yeah, it, this it had the feel of one of those games where like the team that was dominating didn't put the other team away, gave them chances. All of a sudden, the momentum suddenly swung, and then that team took off. Right? It felt like that was about to happen. Yep. And to be really blunt, Daniel Jones robbed the Giants of that tonight. He said, "Nope, I'm going to throw a pick six instead." Uh, for I don't know what reason he locked in on Dar- on Campbell and made an awful throw, but. That's what happened. And, and the speaking of momentum, like, like I agree with you. I think we make that. I think it goes the other. I think we start going and we, I think we win this game. But on the other side, I know a lot of people and I'm probably people are listening right now are pointing to it. Oh, you're being unfair with Daniel Jones. He got sacked 11 times, which is an indictment on this offensive line and Bobby Johnson. Ten moment. <laughs> One time was Paris Campbell. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But. And then, you know, momentum swung after that interception. And guess what? After that interception, when the game was clearly over, five of those sacks were after that. When the game was over, he got sacked five on three drives. He was getting killed. And the defense wasn't playing well. And the offensive line wasn't playing well. And Daniel Jones was getting killed. Everybody's bad. Everything was bad. Everything Everything got worse. Like, Like, look. Was the offensive line good this game? No, but like, was did was there plays to be had? Yes, and I don't want to hear. Do you want to bring excuses and bring up examples where Daniel Jones had didn't have time? That's fine. Let's talk, but do not fucking say 10, 11 sacks me. Don't say it because it because it was it's irrelevant. Garbage. It was garbage time. Fucking sacks, and you can criticize the offensive line all you want because they fucking deserve every goddamn bit of it. But the game was over. That's yeah. the, the extra five sacks are not why we lost that game. No. And if you want to take it out on the offensive line, take it out on the offensive line coach um, who yeah. has his guys ill-prepared. I think that's where you want to make it a meaningful and impactful criticism and change. It's not the individual players necessarily. I think when a unit plays that badly, that's it. But in this particular game, that had nothing to do with why we lost the game. The I want to repeat, the offensive line is not why we lost this game. Not at all. We lost this game because our quarterback lost us this game, period. That's the bottom line. Our quarterback single-handedly cost us 14 points 
directly gave 14 points to the opposition when we should have had at least seven. Um, you know, it, it was a 21 because the fumble inside our own red zone, I believe, inside the red zone that led to a touchdown. And then the pick six, that's 14 points right there. Um, yeah. So, for for I mean, the record, when when this when I was saying the offensive lineup five sacks and everybody's playing bad, Jones is included that. Jones threw another interception after that. Like it was just bad all around. Yeah. And uh, I hate to go into it, but I mean, the dude looked like he was having a bit of a nervous breakdown or crying or something. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, um, after that interception, he was, I don't know if he was just winded. It didn't, I don't know why he would have been winded. I've seen him run a lot more than that. Um, He looked like he was shook. Um, on the sideline, which was unfortunate to see the camera panned on him. They showed it for a few seconds and then they panned off and um, not something you want to see. I felt bad for the guy at the point, but at the same time, like you're the quarterback of the team, like they, they need you to be their leader, not looking like that. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's rough, man. Um, and we'll circle back to what we, where, where this goes, but let's talk about some good stuff because we need to have some positive sure. To me, what I wanted to see tonight was our defense step up because we came into the game, Seattle scoring over 30, about 30 points a game, and I thought there was no way we were going to keep them far under 30 on offense because they're just so good. Well, we kept them under 30, and our defense kept them really under 10, like to about 10, if you want to really be clean about it. Like, yeah. the seven points came on the pick six directly. That has nothing to do with our defense. So technically they only gave up 17 points. But again, of those 17, seven of them came on a touchdown after Daniel Jones had a sack fumble um, and lost the football. And I, I forget yep. what he where he was, but I'm pretty sure it was right around the, like the, the 20 yard line. Or something. Yeah, it was right around the red exactly. zone. So yeah, so they didn't have to go very far to score after that. Um, so I our offense essentially gave up 14 of those 24 points is how I look at it. Uh, and obviously, I would say they gave up more because what happens to defenses, we see this, is they play well, they get the ball back, you don't do anything. They play well, they get the ball back, you don't do anything, and eventually they wear down. And you you saw this in 2021. You're seeing it now. Our defense played really well tonight. They played really, really good football. They held Geno Smith down. They didn't let the running game run all over them. That was a concern coming into the game. They didn't go crazy. Like, what did they give up? A total of, let me see, uh, 100 and... 21 yards. So 11 were on a scramble by Drew Locke, 31 by Charbonnet, 79 by Kenneth Walker. I mean, not amazing defense, run defense, but considering we were down only 120 yards or so, um, that's not bad, man. That's actually decent. That's decent football. Right. Like, um, Kayvon Thibodeau the, played his ass off. Yeah, and for the uh, record, they, they had seven yards to go after that fumble. Seven. Seven yards. It was on the fifteen. And they were cut, and they got down to to the seven. Right, so Josh. Uh, right, Josh Uche picked it up. Right, and uh, or, no, I'm sorry. It was um, I forgot. It was uh, it was um, Uchenna Nwosa. I think was the one picked yep, it up. Right, yeah, that was it. Not, not Josh Uche. Uchenna Nwosa picked it up. Um, yeah. So they had seven yards. So basically, fourteen points given up by the offense. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau had a hell of a game, man. He's this kid has been catching a lot of heat. Um. Yeah, I'm one of his biggest. Right, please so so far. Oh yeah, I'm one of his biggest fans and and defenders. And even I was like, come on, man, you got to step up. But he played out tonight. Um, sure, the competition may not have been what it would have been if the starters were in, but you know he looked good. He was quick off the first step. He had he had a pass rush play on the on the first sack. 
He gave an outside inside move. He used his hands to get the to to shed the 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 right tackle. Got in there and quickly sacked Geno Smith. He had another sack later in the game. He was all over. He almost had a he almost had an interception and a pick six on one one play. Like he really was all over the backfield, causing problems until Wink started dropping him into coverage again in the second yep. half, which I understood at that point. Um, he played great. I thought uh, you know we didn't hear his name much, but I thought that uh, Aziz Ojolari had an impact because he was constantly in the backfield. Um, he missed a sack him. they could have had. I think maybe two even. But yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's his first game back after being hurt. But he looked good. Like, he looked quick. He's yeah. gonna have QB pressures, QB hits, QB exactly. Dexter Lawrence. What can you say? The man was just—he was dominating up front all night. He was pushing that, pushing that line backwards the whole damn night. He, he did everything. Boy. He was pushing Olu. He was be- yeah. he was bullying Olu. Welcome to the NFL, Olu. <laughs> Imagine having to come into your first freaking game as a center, and you've got yeah, Dexter Lawrence there. <laughs> yeah, at halftime. Here, go go block Dexter Lawrence. <laughs> but um, even Leonard Williams, like he got that that crazy penalty for um, unnecessary roughness, uh, but unsportsmanlike unsportsmanlike conduct, I guess. Um, I think that was a frustration penalty, but I thought he played well. I thought they, they were winning up front, man. They were getting pressure. I have to look at the numbers, but these guys played well. Our, our, our linebackers look good. Bobby O'Karake played the Michael McFadden role today where he was flying into the backfield and tackling guys. And yep. they, they weren't, you know, they weren't missing a lot of tackles. And then towards like the second half when the team started wearing down, you started seeing a lot more of those missed tackles start to mount up. It almost looked like they were tired at that point. Um, Deontay Banks was playing man on freaking DK Metcalf the whole yeah. game. I was about to say, you know, you, we're going to look at the PFF numbers tomorrow, and, and Deontay Banks is, is, is not going to look good. But Deontay Banks, for a rookie, held he up good, man. with, like, either, every single one of those catches, he could have broken up. Like, he was there. DK beat him. Shout out DK Metcalf, one of the best DK Metcalf. in the NFL. Yeah, and he's a big, big dude. But, hey, he fucking was sticking on him. He was physical. Like, he was getting his hey, – he gave him gave it a shot every single time. You know, I, hey man, you know, he, I shout he, out Deontay he, Banks. Today is a game that Deontay Banks can hold his head up high, look back at the film, learn from it, and be like, I went toe-to-toe with DK Metcalf, and I battled him for four quarters as a yep. rookie. And and DK Metcalf's probably – if they ever asked him, like, about how that kid was, I bet you he would say he was good. You know, yeah. um, he was he'll be sticky. like, I knew this kid was going to be good when he was a rookie. He came yeah, in there, he was, exactly. He was me. Right. And and I thought he held up well. Cordell Flott made a tackle in the backfield. I've never seen anything like it. Like <laughs> His skinny ass. <laughs> skinny ass came flying in the backfield and got a tackle. I think it was for a loss or at least a, for a stop. They played well, man. The defense, they, they played their asses off. The only person on defense who looked bad all night was Adoree Jackson getting smoked by Tyler yeah. Lockett all game. Um, I don't know if this shifting from, you know, slot to outside has screwed with him, but he's not looking good right now. Um, they should trade But they should get what they can for him. Um, but the defense overall as a unit did a really good job. So for those people who've been coming at Wink Martindale's head, like, listen – the man didn't get the same allocation of resources that the offense got. You know, he's working with what he's got. I think he's doing a good job. There are definitely things he does that frustrate me too, but the defense came to play today. They try to win this game for the Giants. Offense didn't cooperate. Look, like our special teams was the worst it's been in years this game. Our quarterback wasn't getting it done, and we went to half with a shot. And we went to half really because of that fumble where it shouldn't even have been that big of a difference. It should have been seven, three going to half. And it was, it was a seven, three game. 
really. They only gave up one real touchdown, one legitimate touchdown to the offense and going to halftime. Um, and yeah, you're right. I'll, and I'll and I'll say, like, I understand where where fans are coming from. Where one frustration, I'm just as frustrated with them, where they're being where they're turning on Wink though because of missed tackles. Look, you don't fire an NFL defensive coordinator over fucking missed tackles. Like I'm frustrated just as much as anybody. And there's a lot of issues going on and there's probably an effort issue. I'm sure there's some coaching as, but these guys know how to tackle. You learn. I think Carl Banks was talking about that. You get like, if you're going to blame the coaches for tackling, it goes back to Peewee. It goes back to high school. It goes back to college all the way up to the NFL. If these guys don't know how to tackle, like, don't get me wrong. It something is off and it needs to be fixed. And if our defense is struggling and also can't tackle, sure, fucking like that, that, that might be a nail in the coffin, but you don't fucking fire a, D, a defensive coordinator because you're, because your team's not tackling. That's not, that's, that doesn't fall on him as much as people are making it. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think it's been really overblown. Um, but in any case, uh, the defense played well. That's the bottom line. In my opinion, they they held up well against a really high powered offense. Man, they, this was, was a top, top five task. scoring offense. In the right, game. they did their job. The defense did their job. It, the offense didn't show up. And kind of bringing this full circle, where do we go from here? What do we do? What what you're, you're going to go to sleep? You're going to sleep on this. You're going to wake up tomorrow. You're Joe Shane. You're Brian Dable. What what are your priorities starting tomorrow morning? I mean, I think one thing we've already kind of hammered home, the two guys we got to look at tomorrow morning is Thomas McGahee and Bobby Johnson. And, I mean, Tommy Thomas McGahee has deserved to be fired for a long time, and his, his job tonight just hammers that home. But Thomas McGahee isn't going to hurt the development of this team as much as he just deserves to be fired. The guy who needs to be fired is Bobby Johnson. Bobby Johnson is hurting the development of our players. I mean, we talked about it last week. We've talked about it on Spaces. We've talked. We've tweeted about it. There is a ton of examples of this. I mean, you can talk about Evan Neal, who it looks worse than he looked at Alabama. He doesn't look any better, potentially worse than like week one when he started. There's been no improvement. Um, you know, there you can point to any of the rookies that they or second year guys who they've put. Uh, investments into i mean even john michael smith who get me wrong i who got hurt unfortunately i think he's looked decent but i'm gonna put some stock into that he's been the bottom ranked center according to pff two weeks now out of the three like look i think he's looked all right but there's something wrong on a play to play and that that they're giving him negative plays and i and i think i can point that to bobby johnson then lastly like i mentioned it mark Golinski is here because of bobby johnson he coached him in Indianapolis and Joe Shane said as much that, look, we bring in guys who our coaches have connections to. And we brought in Mark Linsky because of Bobby Johnson and he isn't even starting anymore. So like, look, man, it, there's it, something it, going it, on there with that Glowinski angle. Um, you know, yeah, there, there's was something a, weird. there was a comment by Bobby Johnson in the, co- in the uh, coaches, uh, interviews on friday about it and he made he alluded to something where 
there was a decision that had involved him and Brian Dable and Joe Shane regarding Mark Lewinsky. I mean, I think it's more than he's just not playing well. There's something else happening there. I've heard rumors. I don't want to necessarily speculate on the rumors, yeah. but um, but it sounds like there's something happening behind the scenes with him, maybe not getting on the field, not necessarily just because he's not playing well, but there are other reasons. Um, again, whatever it is, you invested money and cap allocation into this guy that you could have put elsewhere because Bobby Johnson presumably wanted him. You can't keep doing this. Like this is not working. I think where I where I differ from people who want to always put everything on the offensive line is I don't think you need to have a perfect offensive line, perfect receiver core. I don't think you need to have all those things, per, you know, sorted out very neatly to make assessments at other positions such as quarterback. I think you can you can gauge quarterback play pretty cleanly when you have enough, like anything else, when you have enough of, of a sample you can start to make assessments, right? Because when you have a large enough sample size, random occurrences that can affect and cause error and bias start getting mitigated. And the larger the sample size, the more reliable the result of that sample is. We now have four years and four weeks or so of sample size from Daniel Jones as quarterback of the Giants. And other than a brief period last year where he really did play his best football in terms of efficiency, He's uh-huh. lar- other than that, he's basically been, by most conventional and advanced stat metrics, a bottom 10 quarterback in the NFL. You know, bottom tier. We're talking somewhere ranked in like the 23 to 30 range in almost every advanced metric and most other metrics. Yes, his rookie year, he was definitely a different human being. He was slinging the ball more, obviously had a lot more touchdowns, a lot more interceptions too, a lot more turnovers. Even that year, there were a lot of metrics that pointed to this being maybe not sustainable, not the best quarterback efficiency. But the collective body work over four years is disappointing. It's one that paints the picture of a guy who, when you compare him to historical players, usually somebody who's not on a team on a second contract, often out of the league within five years, certainly at a backup level, they got him this year, man, and they got him next year for a monstrous cap hit. But, Fifty million, and then take a dead cap hit out. And you know what? You do what you got to do. Um, yep. I've reached a point. I was always of this mindset anyway. We'll get to the quarterback class, um, but you and I both talked about how strong this quarterback class is, both in terms and... of time and talent. Both in terms of high-end talent, but also in terms of just like really good talent. Maybe not like top, top, top guys, but guys who like are NFL caliber starting quarterbacks. And if you yeah. put them with the right coach, they're they're gonna be guys who can win you a lot of football games. There let's put it this way: there's two quarterbacks who would have been taken number one last year. And I'd say the strength of this class is the depth, not the top end talent. Exactly. The Giants need to draft a quarterback this year. And they cannot wait until day three to do it. In my opinion, you can't risk this. If you're not going to take a court, we'll see where they land with the draft process when season's done. When the dust settles, you'll see where you are, right? Yep. That, that, that'll that sort itself out and how Daniel Jones plays from now at the end of the season. But I think when you've already got a quarter of the season down, with the season largely on the brink of collapse, barring an absolute miracle the rest of the way, which I really don't see happening at this point, um, and you have the other four years of evidence, at bare minimum, you want to improve the quality of our quarterback room. If 
if for no other reason than competition, you need to get a guy who's a starting caliber NFL quarterback in this draft to put in that quarterback room. Because look, if you if you're wrong about Jones, if I'm wrong, if what our eyes are telling us are wrong, and he really does become and like snap like magically snaps his fingers and becomes that top ten type guy that they paid him to basically be, and they thought he could probably become. If he becomes that kind of player, the worst that can happen if you draft a a kid who has the potential to beat him out is you now have two high-end quarterbacks and at minimum you could trade one for assets, right? That's the worst that could happen in a situation like that. But the, the worst case scenario, if you don't go all in for a quarterback in the first couple of rounds in next year's class, you know, the worst case scenario is you miss out on a quarterback from a strong class because you're stuck on what you got and what you got doesn't pan out. And then you're really stuck because as far as I can tell, the 2025 quarterback class is nothing like the 2024 quarterback class coming out. No. And if you, if you go through all of this and you come out the other, at the other end of the 2024 season saying, shit, we don't have a quarterback now, you've missed a golden opportunity to add a quality to the room. It's, you know, people make this like an all or nothing. You got to hit on an elite franchise quarterback or you don't touch a quarterback. It, it's such a, in my opinion, respectfully, such a stupid way to look at it. Why don't we just you quarterback like every other position? Add quality when you can, right? There's no the perfect quarterback solution. factory. Yeah, just just add quality. If you see a guy who's good, take him, right? Mm-hmm. Put him in your quarterback room, develop him. If you have hate- a guy who's good, that shouldn't stop you from taking one who's really good. I, I hate to give them credit, but they deserve it. Is that's what Philadelphia does? Philadelphia has been doing that for two decades. They've they've they gotten guys every like, year. They've gotten Kevin Cobb, who they turned into Dominique Rogers Cromartie. They got um Nick Foles, who they turned into Sam Bradford. They got Sam Bradford, who they turned into a first round pick. They got Michael Vick, so they could move off on from Don McNabb and turn him to a second round pick. They got Carson Wentz, who they turned into a first-round pick. They have Jalen Hurts, who is now <laughs> their starting quarterback who took them to Super Bowl. Like, they yeah. constantly do it. It's it's smart. Quarterbacks have value in the NFL, right? They do, and they punch above their weight when they hit. And hitting is not really a high bar, believe it or not, for quarterbacks. Like, if you look like you're a competent quarterback, if you come in as a backup in a game and you can put together a couple of game-scoring drives and, and and put a couple of touchdowns on the board and have a few decent games, teams are looking at you and saying, wow, I, I could use that guy in my room. You now have value that is above and beyond probably what the team invested in you, unless they invested a top pick on you, in which case you're not really being viewed as someone they would view as capital trade anyway. The Giants need to be in the quarterback market early in this draft class. Especially when you have good offensive coaches who have worked with high-end quarterbacks and helped develop them. You know, two guys who were looked at projects at one point in time, like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, and Brian Dable and Mike Kafka played a role in developing these guys. I'm not saying that they are the reason. I am not at all saying that. Those guys, the cream rides to the top, but they played a role. in Absolutely. And along those lines, man, unfortunately, our podcast has become, I think, more relevant to Giants Nation yeah, earlier than we thought it would be. <laughs> earlier than we thought it would be. When yeah. when Monty and I started this pod, our thought process was, even though we may have had slightly different opinions on Daniel Jones, we still had optimism about the season. And 
I think our thought process was like, hey, man, wouldn't it be cool if we actually in real time, because we both watch a lot of college ball and really enjoy the whole process of watching these kids as they come in and see how they go and develop in the NFL. We're like, wouldn't it be cool if we were just talking about these kids like during the giant season and like put together some information that's how the whole synthesis of this whole pod started and we're like you know what the best way to break this down is position by position group and do kind of summer scouting and you know like and and adapt it as the season goes along then we decided you know the best way to do this is to set up like a database where we essentially go through all the top guys at each position and have them neatly organized in pods that hopefully you guys enjoy now but more importantly i think as the draft process kicks in and we were thinking January, <laughs> February, you yeah. guys would tune in and go back and look at some of the stuff we've done and talk to us more. And we would update it and add more information as, as the college football season came along. I don't think in our wildest imagination, we thought that we would be having real-time discussions with other Giants fans about the draft by week four and week five. It is, it is October 3rd right now. And, uh. they, and we are going to be talking NFL draft. Like we're already October third. Tomorrow will be when we wake up. Be October third in spaces. We'll be talking NFL draft. But along those lines, <laughs> watch our pod. Listen to us. <laughs> uh, you know, come come find us on on Twitter X. Um, we're happy to talk about it um, and go we're still over doing quarterback. Still up. We're still, we're, we're gonna be last quarterback. Yeah. So let let me let me just give you guys a, an idea for those who haven't paid attention until until just now. Um, we've done week by, we try to do one every week. Um, I may need to talk to you about one of the weeks, but that's aside. Uh, but, um, we try to do week by week and every week we do a position group. We've done wide receiver, then interior defensive line, then interior O-line, then offensive tackle. Um, we've done, wait, did I miss one? No, we did edge rusher, right? Interior D line, then, then edge rushers, then interior O line, then then offensive tackle. So we've done five groups. So we, we've broken this down by eleven position groups. So what we have remaining, off ball linebacker, which is what we're going to be doing later this week, and then running, back. running backs, tight ends, corner safety, corner safety, quarterback. and quarterback. Yep, we've been saving quarterback to the very end. We're going to keep saving quarterback to the very end. Yeah, uh, I think we owe it to everybody to to put the most amount of time into researching and putting together a good quarterback review, and it's a lot of work because there's a lot of players. Mm-hmm. There's a lot. We might have to. We'll, uh, yeah, part one, two, maybe is a thought. We'll 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 talk about I mean, it. But uh, it's the it is by far the deepest position group in this draft class in terms of yep. draftable quality prospects. It really is unbelievably deep in terms of value and prospect depth and. Um, so we'll get there. Um, but yeah, it's a sobering thought that this is a relevant conversation on October 3rd. Um, yep. I don't know, man. I, to me, the draft will come, we'll keep doing our work and, and, and reviewing these, these guys for all our friends in, in Giants Nation. Um, the draft is going to come. The process will come as it always does. There's a lot of season, a lot of football left to be played. Your goal going into the season is win a Super Bowl. Um, if you're not going to win a Super Bowl, your goal is compete, get in the playoffs, compete for your division, uh, fight hard. And if that looks like it's not going to happen, that's kind of where we are now. You are here, right? You're not really looking competitive in your division or your conference or for, for a Super Bowl. 
your goal has to become develop the talent you have for the future. That has to be the primary objective of the season going forward. And the Giants need to fully commit to that. I'm fully on the board with we need to make some coaching changes, but we also need to trade these veterans. We need to trade the veterans that are on expiring contracts, in my opinion, as soon as possible, because I want those draft picks, man. I know we've talked about like, well, you can get comp picks or some of them and you have to calculate that. I'm at a point where I don't want to risk it anymore. Guys will get hurt and we'll lose out on them. I I get it. I think I I think we should be shopping now and we should be shopping up to the combine or up to the trade deadline. And when we find a deal that we like, you pull the trigger on it. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I and I, I'm okay with with waiting and comp picks if that's if that's what we're gonna fall with a guy. But for example, a guy like I have giant some Giants fans are going to hate this, but a guy like Saquon, yeah. you're not going to get a good comp pick for this guy. Running backs aren't paid like that, but you might get a draft pick for that guy because he's got, he can help a team win a championship. You look at what San Francisco did with Christian McCaffrey, and I know they're different players, but he changed that offense. And yeah, if you... I mean, they're not- they're different, but are they? They're not that different. Meaning, they're different in how they play, but their impact on the game can be similar in the right system. I think that's how. I would yeah, look yeah. At it. I mean, like, look, the, the, this is the way it is. The rushing yards that they that they put up is somewhat similar. They 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 found a oh, way yeah. by committee where they had great guys and a great scheme, but the impact Christian McCaffrey has on that game is felt by the other team. And I think that's what people argue with Saquon a lot, and. And that's the thing. When you have an elite running back, it's that's the difference for a contender. It's not the difference for a team that's, you know, just fighting to get by. Right. No, I think Saquon Barkley is somebody that he deserves um, to be on a contender, to be honest. Like as soon as he's health, I don't know what his health status is, you know. I don't know whether this is a true high ankle sprain. It sounds like it is. I don't know if he's, he looks good. If he's healthy enough to play, um, I would play him. I'd showcase him. And if he looks good, I would tri- field offers. And I mean, obviously you want, you want to try to get at least a fourth round pick for him. Um, you know, ideally it's going to piss people off that we're saying time. this, but, but you got some time. That's a guy you want to trade. Leonard Williams. I think it, that's where it gets tricky because defensive linemen are getting the kind of contracts that could generally yep. net you potentially. I don't know. I don't know about a third round comp, but certainly a fourth round comp. Right. I think he could get Maybe. you a third if you don't offset it. I think he'll get you a third if you don't offset it. Yeah, but that's the tricky part is not offsetting that's, that's it. That's the right? tricky part, 100%. Right. But and we have I such a bad roster. But we have such a bad roster <laughs> that yeah, you might want to offset it with some sort of quality addition somewhere, maybe on the interior line. I don't know. Like somewhere, it's it, you want to at least leave that door open. Um, yeah. And so, and so again, like, Maybe he gets you a third round comp, which I mean, for people who aren't familiar with the process, it's usually it's after the third round. So we're probably looking at picks like ninety-seven to like one hundred and five, somewhere in there, right? Yeah. That, that's somewhere where he would I'm get you. That's that, sort of, yeah. it's like you know, Matt per- territory, um, that, like that the, kind of the area. Pick we traded for Darren we traded Waller. For Darren Waller was a comp pick from the Giants. right. So it's not a it's it's a valuable pick. But if you got offered again, that's in the twenty twenty five draft. Yeah, it's a year out. The, right. The value is in this draft class. Um, and if you can get pick maybe 130 in this draft class, I would take it rather than maybe getting pick 105 next year. 
and look from a like a draft value standpoint if you wanted to trade out of like a mid fourth round pick you could probably get like a if somebody had a third round comp pick in place from like a coaching hire let's say like a minority coaching hire you could probably get that third round pick a year out to because that's it's just more valuable to have the pick now that's how the nfl views it exactly and i think the whole comp pick formula thing teams benefit from it but the teams that generally benefit from it are teams that have already filled up their roster and they're in no danger of having to go out and sign free agents. You know, they generally are not teams that go out in the free yeah. agent market and spend any real money. They they pick up guys in their cut. They make trades. And, you know, mm, like we're not the there yet. Patriots, the Ravens, things. Yeah, like but we're not there as a roster Patriots. yet. Right. That's my point. We're not there as a roster yet. We need to get the players in the building now that we start developing. So I personally am of the mindset that you trade Leo, you trade Adori, you trade Saquon. If you're again, if you're not going to pay Xavier McKinney, if he's not part of your future, and you're not certain of it, you trade him while you can. Yep. Um, I think he could get you a third round pick certainly. Um, Darius Slayton, I don't know if he has value out there. The Falcons wanted him. He's a veteran. Um, I'll say the name, Darren Waller. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're rebuilding, what value is Darren Waller to I'm your not, team? Yeah. Look, I'm not trying to ship him out of here. No, I'll it's listen. not that. You have time to do it, but I'll listen. Exactly. Look, if you're that rebuilding. the impact we hoped he'd make. And that's not on him, by the way. If you're rebuilding, you're rebuilding. And these are the kind of decisions you make. The moves the Giants have made to try to position themselves to compete this year, the best thing you could have said, and you always made this argument to me, was they didn't make any moves that they couldn't come off of within a year or two. And that is true. But, but the flip side of that man is when it looks like you're when you when it looks like you have to rebuild, you got to come off those decisions. You got to be willing yep. to pivot, and you got to be able to take away all prior prejudice and say everybody is for sale. That is not part of the future of this team. The future of the team is not just 2024. We're talking 2025, 2026, and beyond. If you're if these guys are not likely to be major contributors to that roster, they have to be viewed as potential expendable parts i don't care what you get for them as long as it's relatively fair value you get what you can you collect draft picks in this loaded draft class you rebuild and you start the process that's where i firmly stand i'm I'm, i don't think i'm going to see anything that's going to change my mind on that barring them somehow beating miami or buffalo which at this point i would be pleased if we didn't lose by 50 to miami next week (laughs) you know but yeah i have miami dolphins fans friends and they're fucking harassing me tonight so (laughs) just just block them yeah one of them fucking told me that um that the giants nine and a half line was was too high and my bro should be higher it should be like 25 and a half college line this would be like West Virginia like, versus I like, like, I was like, we got 10 and a half for the 49ers. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, it's really like when, when West Virginia plays like a division two team for fun, um, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like a 20 point line. Um, it's, it's at that, we're at that point. I'm, I'm, I'm now firmly in the mindset. Like, I was already kind of there, but I wanted to see what we did against Seattle, man. That's right. I needed to see this game. And not only, and I said it. Well, let me just say this. I, I said today, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. I mean, it doesn't matter how much you win by or how much you lose by today. Yeah. You got to win the game. You cannot lose this game because the results are the same no matter what. I think that's still largely my men- mentality. Like, the, all that matters is the final result. Well, they lost. But I will say this. 
I don't think I expected them to go out the way they did. Dude, they've played two home games, and in those two home games, they've been outscored 64 to 3. 64 to 3, both Monday night games, two Monday night games at home, nationally televised, and they've been outscored 64 to 3. They, in outside of the two quarters of the, of the miraculous comeback in Arizona, they have been outscored 114 to what are we at? Um, 114 to 15. Other than the two quarters against, right? Because 12 against San Francisco, zero against in the first two quarters against Arizona, zero against the Cowboys, and three tonight. So 15 points. Yeah. Four and a hundred and fourteen points against man. A hundred and fourteen points against hundred and four almost a hundred points we've been outscored by outside of the, the last two quarters of the Arizona game. This team is not a good football team. They don't deserve to be believed in to the point where it is gonna lead to decisions that are to the detriment of the future of this organization. It is time to tear this thing down and rebuild properly. Yep. Uh, it's, it's bad, man. I, I, it, this is the thing we went in tonight where we were playing a team that at least last year was pretty clearly, even though we lost in our tier, like, especially down the end of the year, we were playing better than Seattle down the stretch at the end of the season, like barely made pl- the playoffs. We were kind of right there with them. Detroit Lions There's a few teams, the NFC, we seem to be right in that tier. And this was a game where we were playing them. They don't have the strongest defense. And, you know, this was our shot to prove that we, you know, yeah, we played the 49ers. Yeah, we played the Cowboys. Yeah, they dominated us because they have a great defense. Our offensive line isn't good, but we can still, you know, stand up. But we just, we we let the, we let Seattle's defense, who was bottom five in scoring and not, they let up the second most yards of all teams going into the into this game and we let we let them beat us man and they they dominated us and we they they might as well be the 49ers or cowboys that we're playing we we don't belong in the same tier right now we are a bottom tier football team that's what we've shown We, we outside of two quarters where we beat a team that is very weak Granted, they are scrappy and they managed to beat the Dallas Cowboys. They're a scrappy team, but they have a weak roster. And outside of two quarters against them, we are a bottom tier football team in this league right now. Yeah. Um, They showed it. Yeah. It's amazing. Seattle was, I think, ranked like in terms of um, points allowed. They were like, I think, in the bottom five, like you said, going into this game. Five or six. Right. Right. It was five or six. Now they're 16 because they, yep. they, they, in yards, I think they were, what did you say? They were number, the bottom two? Two. They were two. Now they're 20. Now they were like, now they're, um, well, they, so they were ranked 31st. Now they're 20th. Um, yep. it, it, Pro Football Reference updated their, their, their stats real quick. Um, I mean, they took a, they took an enormous leap in their defensive ranking just off of us, just off of us, one game. Yep. And here's where we are. On our offense, man. Yeah, I mean, our defense actually, our defense overall is still 29th in um, yards. And it is, where are we in points here? 
Um, uh, we are 22nd in points, so we got better there. Um, but our defense is moving up a little bit. It's actually getting better. Uh, but, man, Seattle took a leap on us. Our offense, though, oof, dude, it is, it's bad. Like, our op our offensive stats are really terrible. And I'll pull it up just for while we close this out. Um, I don't know what else to say. Like, our offense is a disaster. And I don't think they're going to bench anybody. Like, I don't think they're going to bench Daniel Jones after paying mm -hmm. him or anything like that. I don't think there's going to be a meaningful change in personnel. Um, but something's got to change. I don't know what they're going to do, but I think at this point, my, I know that they, I know they don't think like this. They probably think more along the line that we got to, we got to compete for the next game and I, and that's fine, but I'm looking at this team and I'm thinking this, this ain't it. Like, this is not the 2007 football team that you look at and say, there's enough talent here to turn this around. It's, it's not the 2011 team. This is just not a good enough team. And so to me, again, I'll go back to the goal is develop these kids, develop these kids, find out what you got, prepare for the future, tear it down, and just admit that maybe you were wrong on running it back with some of these guys, but that's okay. You didn't tie yourself into them forever. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you just didn't. Yeah. Anyway, I, um, get, go ahead. I'm, no, could you have, you have your stat up? I'm pull, I'm trying to pull it up here as I talk okay, to you. So Oh, so, uh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead and say it. I, I want a quick, a little quick Daniel Jones oh, no. rant. Once you say it. Wait, oh, let me, let me. Uh, Jesus. Uh, uh, well, why don't you go on your rant? Yeah. I'll look for it. Yeah. Okay. Time. Go ahead and look. I'll go. So I have, I have two parts of this. So I'll just knock out one first. So one thing I wanted to say is because I know it's a thing that a lot of Giants fans say, and I, you know, it's fair. I'm not I'm not taking shots at any Giants fans when they say this, but they say like what do you expect other quarterbacks to do in this situation, especially when they look <laughs> at the sack numbers and things like that. And look, I I will sit there and argue with you and I think that a quarterback could do more. I've seen opportunities where a quarterback could take advantage and and win these games and Daniel Jones hasn't. That aside, let's leave that aside and we don't we can argue all day about that. My issue is that if you don't think Daniel Jones can do anything with this offense, why the fuck are we paying Daniel Jones? Because that was always, that was always my is, argument. <laughs> it is. Yeah. We are not close. It, it either. He figures it out this year. He's going to maybe get a shot next year, depending on how highly we draft a quarterback. And if they beat them out and then if he doesn't prove it next year, he's gone. Like if this, if if you don't think he can succeed in this situation, it, it doesn't matter if he goes on to somewhere else and he becomes Ryan Tannehill as not like, like that, the cool, like awesome. He worked out happy for him, but like, sometimes it's just not going to work in the situation we're at. And I don't know what level of a quarterback Daniel Jones is, but the truth is that we paid him to be a quarterback in a situation he can't succeed in no matter what way you slice it, no matter how, if you think that's unfair that to him, he, he's not succeeding in this situation. And we, we just have to be faced with that reality. That's whoever you want to blame it on. That's the reality. And, but uh, yeah, that's, that, that's my first part. So what, what do you have with, with uh, what you're talking about? You sure you want to hear this? <laughs> Go for it. Okay. 
I got to do a little mental math to add to P, to pro football re- reference um, here, but it looks like in terms of points scored, the New York Giants have a grand total of 46 points, which ranks them 32nd out of all 32 teams in the NFL. In terms of total yards on offense, the New York Giants have 1,008 yards, which ranks them 31st ahead of only the Cincinnati Bengals. That's another shit show going on over there with Joe Burrow hurt. Um, let's look at passing yards. I'm going to pull that up. The Giants are, uh, they were at which 620. Re- Go ahead. Real quick. Yeah. Like yeah. Joe Burrow hurt just shows how good of a quarterback who's playing an elite level healthy can do with the team at the offensive line should derail him, but he's an elite quarterback and has played beyond that. And now that he's hurt, he can't, but. He, he has shown in that situation he has played beyond it. And that's what quarterbacks can do at times. Just so in terms of passing yards, we're a little bit better. Um, I have to go back and check this, but I think the Giants are at – let me see. Did they, did they put all four games for the Giants in so far here? No, they didn't add the fourth game yet. So we were at 496 coming into the game. Daniels Jones got 203 passing yards, I believe, tonight. Um, so we're talking about 203 plus 496, so 699. That would rank us one, two, three, three. That would put us at 26 in the NFL in passing yards. Um, passing touchdowns, the Giants coming in had two. They still have two. That ranks them 32nd in the NFL. Um, interceptions. Um, we got two more. We were when we came into the game. We had what do we have? Five coming into the, four coming into the game, right? Mm-hmm. And gosh, where were we? We were low. Um, interceptions. I don't know. I'm tired. Uh, we were 13th in the NFL with three interceptions coming into the game, uh, and we have two more. So that puts us at uh, actually we had four coming in the game. Sorry, um, and now we have six. Uh, so that would put us at thirty first in the NFL out of thirty two teams, tied with the Chiefs. Um, hey, we tied with the Chiefs. Um, hey, yeah. there you go. Um, uh, head up. Th- there's a lot of stats I got to go through because Pro Football Reference hasn't updated everything. But the bottom line is we're the worst or one of the worst offenses in the NFL 31 or 32 across the board, Daniel Jones stats, both in standard metrics and advanced metrics. I'll do the, I'll look it up when um, our BSDM updates their, their data and NGS updates their data in the next day or two, but yep. it's going to be somewhere between 30 and 32 in yep. the NFL and uh, across we're, the board and all metrics. We're a terrible team right now. We're a bad football um, team. We're getting really bad quarterback play, getting really bad offensive line play. Just We're just getting bad offensive football. The defense was really bad, but the last two weeks has played better. Um, they've shown us more signs of life. They're at least – they're trending up. The offense is just dead in the water. And I don't yep. know what else to say at this point. Um, it's a flawed offense. It's not getting better. It's not Mike Kafka's fault. It's not Brian Dable's fault. This is not a coach. going to get blamed. Coaches always get blamed, um, yep. but this Four is a, years yeah. Um, but I'm going to stand up for Mike Kafka here. I'm going to stand up for Brian Dable. I don't think these men forgot how to coach football. 
at some point, your players have to make plays. And unfortunately, I don't think the stats are lying here. We have key players not making plays. We have a key unit not doing its job. Um, and I think the two combined between our offensive line unit being poorly coached and poorly prepared and our quarterback playing at a bottom tier level is really conspiring to detonate our season. And I think that's the bottom line. Yep. And the, the one other thing I want to say kind of loops into that is that it's disappointing because, you know, I think Brian Dable has done a great job up, you know, uh, at least last year. And I think Joe Shane for the most part outside the Daniel Jones decision has shown a lot of process and has really seems like he he made thoughtful decisions as a GM and we'll see what they work out. But, you know, Daniel Jones was, we've talked about it was kind of an outlier decision he made there. And he's made a couple of those. You can talk about those like, like a Wandale Robbins who did look very good today. Um, great. But uh, yeah, I, I was not a fan of that pick, but he's looked awesome. Um, but, uh, you know, Daniel Jones held this team hostage and w- wanted to get paid like a top quarterback. And simple as it is, as we're seeing now, is if the Giants said, look, if you want to go ahead and prove that you're worth this money, that's fine with us. Go ahead and play in a franchise tag. That's okay. And Daniel Jones would have lost a lot of fucking money if he did that. And I don't know if he's bluffing or not. I don't think he was bluffing. I think he knew that he was going to get the money at the end of the day. But, um, yeah. look, I, I, I was fine with bringing Dan, Daniel Jones back. I thought that he earned the chance to see if a second year in the system with, you know, if he gave us the opportunity and improved roster, if he could come back and be a better, uh, be a better quarterback. If he insisted on not giving us any sort of deal where we could move around his contract, then look, bring him back, see if, see what we can do with what we have and continue to build the team and give yourself an out. But they, once they went in and they paid him, that's where we're at. And I know they were thoughtful with like how they structured that contract and gave themselves an out. They're still going to end up paying about 60 to 70 million more than, than is that correct? About 60 million more than the franchise tag. Yeah. Yeah. Then they they could have if they just franchise tagged them. And I understand that there's the aspect of it gave us more room to operate with, but um it you know it's you gotta take a long term well, view with this. You know how I felt about it. Um you and I were that's kind of around the time we became pretty good friends, um, where we were DMing about this and I was very adamant like I wasn't even in the tag him camp i wasn't the let him go hit the market camp i was very firmly yeah. in that market because i, I, I like the transition tag i thought it was a good medium which i thought was a great idea because it was only 29 million and, and and to be honest neither one of us thought there was a there was an organization on like in the nfl that was going to offer him that money outside yeah. of the giant right and i think it's fair to say that's probably true um people can argue all they want well teams would have done it I, I never bought that argument i think we heard from a lot of notable reporters that teams and you know we kind of knew already like teams don't respect him at that level they may appreciate aspects of his game but not to that degree i think they would have been willing to pay like a small premium above like a backup quarterback price um yeah to, i think some i think maybe you can look at something around what G- gino got and gino played a much better season than him he's older i think you know three or 75 million would have been but, i think i 
I don't but know if he would have got it. But, I but here's the thing. Where was fair. he going, right? Like, I think, like, he yeah. had his best year, his only good year with Brian Dable, who everybody wants to work with as a quarterback. Let's be honest. Yeah. Like, offensive players want to play with Brian Dable. They come out and say it. Like, we hear guys saying, oh, come and play with Brian Dable. Where was he going? He wasn't going anywhere. They could have easily yeah. just – they could have just said, look, man, we, we offered you a fair deal. You said, no, that's fine. Um, go his, go test the market. Good luck. We're going to tag Saquon, and that's that, you know? Um or they could have just, like you said, put the, the transit, transition tag on and said, look, it's $29 million. It's a fair deal. Take it. That's that. Um, but here's the good news. Kind of morbid good news. If they come to the conclusion that they're headed for right now, which is he's not the guy, and they've got to rebuild and tear it down anyway, what he's getting paid in 2024 is largely immaterial because you're not going to go all in on a bunch of players to make a run at it in 2024 if he's not the quarterback you think is going to make that run, right? Realistically, yeah. like that, it doesn't matter at that point. Like all that extra cash is really just there for future investment in young players. And for all we care, carry some over, but yes, but that's a sunk cost at this point, yeah. right? They, I mean, I agree with you. I would have, I, I mean, you know where I stood. I would have yeah. let him hit the market. I mean, he, in my personal opinion, I think he would have hit the market. And I think he, I mean, people are going to find this harsh. I think he would have gotten mostly offers to be a backup quarterback. Um, I think he would have been offered somewhere. Some team would have would have offered him money, but I think it would have been around the 20 to $22 million range of like, you know, kind of like what Jordan Love just got. It would have been something I mean, around there, and that would have been it. Even if he got like Jimmy Garoppolo to, to Geno Smith money, I think where the Giants were, they would have happily paid that. That would have been a right. better deal than what they ended up signing. So, there was no universe in which I saw him coming anywhere near what he got with the Giants. Yes. Um, and the only reason he took that approach in negotiations, quite frankly, is number one, because everybody should take those that kind of approach with their own negotiations. You should try to advocate for yourself and try to get what you can. But mainly because he knew that, you, let's be honest, he knew the Maros wanted him here. He knew that Steve Tisch wanted him here. He knew that ownership was on his side in this negotiation. I'm not, I'm not spreading conspiracy theory that like they've, they made it happen, but I think that it was yeah, pretty clear. It was pretty clear. Like they were making public comments, like he's our quarterback. We think the world of him. This that when you know the guy writing, yeah, they destroyed any leverage Joe Shane might have had in negotiations, right? But you're supposed Putting to just himself. keep it in. Don't Shane did it himself. He said we're you know he's our quarterback next year. You don't say things like that. <laughs> you don't say things like that. You you go into the negotiation. What you what you say is we had a great season. We'd love to keep Daniel around. We'd love to see if we can keep building a winner. And that's it. You just say that. You do what you did with Saquon, but with Jones. They handled the exactly. Saquon negotiations perfectly and then just but but it's up to the Jones. To Joe Shane's defense, still he was a rookie GM at the time. Yeah. Okay, he's learning on the fly. And his owner, his boss is saying this shit before he has a chance to get in front of the podium. Do you remember after the Minnesota game, the quotes from John Mara and yeah, Steve yeah, Tisch? Yeah, yeah. They they basically torpedoed any chance he had at negotiating with strength right off the bat. And and what you think you think Daniel Jones doesn't know how the owners felt about him? He knew that, and and he did what anybody would do. He said, "I know the guy who writes the checks wants me here. I'm going to demand every last penny. If he wants, if I want to get paid, and he wants to pay me, who are you in the middle to stop me?" That's the negotiating tactic he took, which is the appropriate negotiating tactic. And if Joe Shane said yes, he got his money, which is what ended up happening. If Joe Shane said no, Joe Shane was the only one holding the bag of risk. 
that like if this guy does leave, which he was never going to leave, but let's just say he left, right? And let's just say he did somewhere, it did well somewhere else. And let's just say the Giants like pissed off the owners by doing that, and they went with a bridge quarterback who wasn't doing well, and they had the same result this year. There was some risk, some risk, yeah. not a lot, but there was some risk to Joe Shane. It's worth maybe, mentioning. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. Like I'm sure these are all things that play into the decision making process. All that said, I don't think you should operate out of fear. I think you should do what's right for the organization at any given time. I think Joe Shane made a mistake in the way he dealt with Daniel Jones. I think he made a mistake in giving him two multiple, you know, two years of guaranteed money at a, at a premium dollar figure. I think our fan base, to put it nicely, has been misguided in their allegiance to this guy. Um, I've seen more defense of him and more rage attacks on other fans over this man than I ever saw in defense of Eli Manning, who won us two Super Bowls. Uh, it's bizarre to me. Um, but all that said, at the end of the day, this gets back to this This roster needs to be rebuilt. I do trust Joe Shane to do it correctly. I do trust our coaches to get this right, but other than Bobby Johnson and Thomas McGahee. Yeah. Um, and I do think that they've put themselves in a position where they can come off these contracts quickly and they can pivot. But the pivot is the important step. You have to do it. And and you have to recognize when it's time and you have to do it correctly. It's time. Yep. The clock starts now. I, I, I totally agree with you. And like, look, I, like I said, if we've talked about that, I did bring up that you can get out of these deals and you can, they set it up. So then get out of Jones. I think Joe Shane made his seat warmer for no particular reason we didn't have to i think he took a lot of risk in signing a multi-year deal i think that the the what a lot of fans made up with the well you you know if he's good you, you saved money in the long run when it when, when you're talking about <laughs> the money he got paid i'd rather i'd rather pay him 48 million dollars or knowing he's the guy next yeah year. yeah exactly and, and and he's getting paid 50 million dollars at least annually every year from here on out in his deal, because we had to save so much money this year. So like, I, I hated the argument, but we are, we are, I, they were luckily, you know, when I saw that contract come up, come across, I was like, they gave themselves an out. I could live with this. And that's what they did. Um, I was hoping, I was hoping that I gave them my benefit of the doubt. I trusted them. So far, they have not earned my trust with uh, making me not not trust my instincts on what we should have done with Jones. I thought, you know, they know more about him than I do. Let's see what they know. It's not been good, but we're, there's a way to pivot. As you mentioned, they just got to do it. We'll see. You know, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. But it looks like we're staring Howie, one, in, one in five in the face right now. Howie Roseman drafted Jalen Rager with Justin Jefferson sitting on the board. Yeah. Guys make and, mistakes. He he uh he extended Carson Wentz. Granted, he ended up with a first round pick out of it, but then he turned around and got Jalen Hurts. I think that's a lesson, right? People make mistakes. Um, yep. And, and and it's not about the outcome. You're you know our friend Will says this, right? I think he's he's he brought this up on on a, on the pod with uh, Ethan and Weiss on NYG Daily, and excuse me, NYG Weekly. Um, shout out to those guys. Yep. He always talks about process. Yep. We talk about process. Honestly results individual results anecdotal results are just what that just what they are they're anecdotes right they're incidences of one uh incidents of one um but process like commitment to a plan 
as long as you have a good process and you remain steadfast in your commitment to it, you're going to make some mistakes along the way. But over the course of time, you will make progress and you will you will land in a good place. The Giants have no business panicking and changing gears on the men at the helm. Joe Shane deserves every opportunity for years to come to be our general manager, in my opinion, as does Brian Dable as our head coach. They have to commit to a process of rebuilding and they have to show us that they're able to pivot and learn and adapt and keep moving forward. I think that's where we are right now. Um, as long as they commit to a process and they show us that they're, that they're going to be able to maneuver it properly, I don't have to go crazy with individual decisions. I think that's where we yeah, are. I mean, I don't, I didn't think, I mean, we, we both agree on this. We didn't think that the Daniel Jones contract was the best process, but again, if you learn from this, I think that there's a lot that you can say positively about what Joe Shane and Brian Dable have done with their process. I think that for the most part, it's really, you can, you can see what their plan is. Um, You know, there's been some hiccups along the way. I think making playoffs last year, obviously changed some expectations and, you know, has messed, messed up a little bit what they were going for, but, and, you know, it obviously was a positive in some ways, but also when you commit to being better the next year and it doesn't work, it's tough, Amen. but they, but they set themselves up, but they set themselves up with a way out, which is again, sticking to kind of good process there and pivoting when you need to. And that's where we are. They, Why don't we close it out there? No. Why don't we close it out there? Um, unless you have any closing thoughts beyond that. Um, I'm pretty tired. I'm going to go back and process all this myself. Uh, but uh, listen, thank you guys for tuning in. Follow us uh, at uh, follow Monty at, at Monte Cristo at M-O-N-T-E-C-R-I-5-T-O. Follow me, Sal, at Queens underscore guy on Twitter slash X. Um, follow our pod at he's a, at he's a giant pod. Subscribe, like, five stars, please. Everything you can do. Uh, we appreciate all your help. Um, and, and we know that the interest in the draft stuff is going to grow. We're going to keep working on it. As I mentioned earlier, we are working on off-ball linebackers. We should have a pot out later this week going over our yep. top five off-ball linebackers with our usual sleepers added to that. So tune in, and we will see you guys next time at He's a Giant. Have a good night, everybody. Have a good night, guys.